love it. I love it. Big payday. All right, y'all ready to go? Yes. All right. Yep. Go ahead. Let's uh, let's go live. I don't know how to do all that. Just hit live. Okay. Now watch, we forget everything we were talking about. Oh, yeah, don't no. y'all do that. Oh, no, yeah. we won't. <laughs> y'all, y'all, well, when my stuff started, y'all went, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's like, okay, that makes sense. Have another cup of coffee and get fired up with the Carolina Cabinet, Eastern North Carolina's smartest conservative morning talk show. Hey, and welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. <laughs> So this is, yeah, this is uh, an extension of our regular cabinet show. In fact, uh, this is, uh, we had such good discussion, sort of, uh, with, the, with the recorder turned off, we decided to do this again. Uh, with us in the studio today is Pastor CC Carrie Cameron. Hello. 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 Welcome. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Use a Ford expert, Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr. Thank you. Welcome, sir. Miss Kia McMillan. Hello, everybody. And, of course, (laughs) Mr. J. Antoine Minor. We're here. There it goes. (laughs) So, appreciate you all uh, joining us today. And, um, you know, I want to give everybody their their fair share of warning. This is a conservative radio show. It may not be what you hear on other local stations. In fact, it may be offensive to those of you on the left. It will be. Our mission is to bring you a common sense voice on the right side of the issues. So check us out on uh, and message us, like us, follow us, share us on your favorite social media pages. And we are on podcast. Uh, so please join us on your favorite podcast broadcaster. All right, we're going to jump right into it. Yeah, there was such healthy it. discussion. Let's go. Let's see let's that energy it. we saw a minute ago. Oh, it, is here. it didn't go anywhere. It's it still here. didn't go anywhere. So it's I'm, I'm going to start with uh, the question that I had for, for, for Mr. Minor. For, yeah, for you, you people. people. You people, um, Mr. Minor. <laughs> for you people. So uh, earlier in our, our um, earlier conversation, our earlier show, uh, we were talking about the George Floyd case. And, um, you know, of course, we have gotten a verdict and everything on that. And, you know, you know, the question was, was there a, a, a sh- thank you, I can't talk right now, I don't know what's going on, you guys, an excessive use of force, and they said yes. Well, Mr. Minor uh, had a question of, well, what happened before? What about the drugs that were in the system? Things like this. You and- sound just like a- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on my, on my impressions. Um, Good job. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes. I'll be working on that next. But <laughs> so the question uh, he had was, well, what about the drugs in the system? And, and you know, over here, we're kind of like, it doesn't matter. It was excessive force. It should have never went there. Um, and my question to Mr. Minor, as, as we were starting out, uh, the next conversation is, why does that matter? If a cop is, all right, I'm in a situation right now. Um, I know my situation is to either arrest you, uh, get you to go away or leave the situation. And I'm to use, uh, as you said, a, a level of force that is reasonable, that does not exceed a, a certain amount. Uh, why does that matter? Um, if, if, why? And, and I'm asking you, get off your phone. I was sharing. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, here's why, here's why it matters 
and I said this uh, when we were off the air. We are a country of laws, mm-hmm. and so the law says that that you are you are innocent until proven guilty. Now that if you're trying to in some cases, right? Uh, well, according to the law. Now, we understand that justice is not blind and the law doesn't always work the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But if we are law-abiding citizens and we, are, uh, we, we hold to that, the law says that you are innocent until proven guilty and a jury of your peers mm-hmm. must find you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So right. if, I'm, if you're going to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, I have to look at all the facts mm-hmm. to erase any reason for doubt. Because outside of that, if we just go based on conjecture and emotion. Okay, when you say facts, mm-hmm. are you saying facts on the part on the of the victim? Or are you saying facts? I'm saying facts on, across the board. Across the board. Across so you're the board. saying that. Um, because the victim cannot talk for himself anymore right. or herself anymore. Right. So, so facts speak for that person. Right. So the facts should lead up. The facts should be focus more on the officer who used set excessive force. So right. you have to find out what type of person you have on your f- police force. Right. Um, but, how but, does he feel? Yeah. No, you, yeah. it's important because when you go to hire someone, the last thing you want to do is hire someone who's going to come in and shoot up the whole right. place. So intent. we don't, that, um, you have to take out time and look into this individual's background before you hand him a that, badge but, and a gun. But but see, that's looking in hindsight because at this point they already well, have a badge. Before, no, 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 because if you look at what Pastor Cece just said, is before you give them a gun, you need to look into these things. Right. Well, here's the, well, here's the thing: police shootings don't happen by people who haven't been given a badge or a gun. They have a badge and a gun at that point. But so no, at that point, what I'm saying is, you but, find out the state of mind this person has. You got but to how, find how out. How do you? Listen, Some people can they pass these tests. Not all tests not you all can tests. pass. Right. And everybody ain't stupid. And the question is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just saying. saying and the just question you people. Is, and you can... You, just you us, people. Us people. You people. An <laughs> inside joke, y'all. You people. I'm, I'm going to yeah. probably bring it back up. But And you can probably answer this. After a cop has shot... I, I know in some places they just send them home and, you know, they go through their investigation. Do they talk to them afterwards to see what happened prior to uh, whether it was a call they were on, whether it was a, they had an argument with their spouse or, you know, anything like that? Do they talk to them about their state of mind prior to or is it just about what happened in that situation and on? No, they definitely look into what happened prior to. Look in a very large package, you know, the type of training that this, this officer's had, but then you're also looking at um, how many hours they worked. I think we're getting feedback. We're getting feedback, yeah. That sounds weird. Is it coming from No. It sounds like something's playing. How many hours they worked. We're still playing with it. It's the mayor. Hey. It's the mayor. <laughs> it's so the don't you be blaming blame somebody. <laughs> blame the blame. Someone has got to be the fool yeah. guy. Right. Don't blame him. Look, blame You're standing don't be trying over to give him a bad name. You're just standing you right there. Right. You people. <laughs> you people. I'm just telling you, when I go out of here, I'm leaving that you people. With y'all. Okay? Yeah, you don't so want to use that everywhere. No, that's not a good sound. Um, <laughs> do you want to go back to that answer? What was the question? <laughs> I know what the question was. I'll go back to the answer. 
Oh man! I think I'm gonna get in trouble in here. Are we ready, Mr. Mayor? We're rolling. All right. <laughs> so to answer your question, mm-hmm. they do. They look at how many hours that that officer had been working, had to be working overtime. Uh, I mean, they look into meals. They look into everything about them. Any type of. Um, substances they're on as far as prescribed medications, mm-hmm. things along those lines. So that's all looked at. And then what their what their frame of mind was when they were receiving the call or responding to the call or if they drove up on the, the uh, situation, what they observed and, therefore, what was going through their mind. Because I think Pastor mentioned earlier, there's a little bit of everybody's perspective here. It's right. easy to say what yours is. Right. What we could have done, you, what we shouldn't have done. Right. Right. But then when you start hearing a little bit of everybody, you know, when we look at cases, what we find out a lot is, say there were five witnesses out there. We have an alleged victim, an alleged shooter. Everybody is going to have a little bit different of a story. Right. Your job is to kind of, you know, cipher through this stuff and let's get what the facts are the best we can. Uh, but they do look at that officer's frame of mind, use of force history, mm-hmm. mm. um, which I believe in one of our recent cases they looked, and, man, they had a use of force yeah, history. Yeah, that very was extensive. one of the issues with, with uh, the, the George Floyd, Floyd case yeah. is because it, it showed several times where he had used excessive force but the, where it was unnecessary. The thing here for me is that um, a lot of people don't understand. Now, I, I, I'm happy with the verdict. Now, I'm Agreed. happy with the verdict. But for me... Is just maybe a drop in the bucket. Of course. You know, mm-hmm. we really, I mean, everybody's excited about it, but yet and still, there's so many. Explain, prior. explain that drop in the bucket for me. It's, it's a small victory. It's, it's not a real it's, large It is barely victory a victory. To me, for me, and a lot of people don't understand that because of the simple fact, I agree with the verdict. I mean, to me, it was an open and shut case. I'm right. not, you know, I ain't on the witness stand, but it's open and shut case. Right. But. It's just a small, small drop in the bucket right. compared to some of the other issues in the cases that has come. And going back to um, the answer, he was answering your question about mm-hmm. the, do the police officer get, get to see and talk to someone after. My question is, how much do they get to see somebody before before it gets to that situation how often do they get to lay on the couch and (laughs) spill their guts and say listen my wife is acting crazy right the fish just refused to swim the dog ain't barked in a long time the cat stopped meowing and and you know and i'm mad you you know and i'm mad Real life yeah. issues. We need a couch. You need a couch. Issues. Look, but some people yeah. need that, especially they, our law you know, enforcement. And, and this, it, but to, here, to here's what in, I was. They got a lot on them because they, they got, and you know, they, they have, uh, and they don't get paid they have enough. The public, you have the media, you have all these things are going on. So my thing is, how often do they just lay down and talk to someone and say, "This well, is what I'm facing today"? Okay, hold up. Before y'all go, just for those of you who are. Uh, just tuning in, you are listening to the Carolina Cabinet, and in studio today, our cabinet members are Pastor Cece, that Good firecracker over in the yes. corner. Ooh, why I gotta be a firecracker? You people always come up with some words. <laughs> you, know, you notice she stood you up. You people <laughs> stood always up coming up with some other words. <laughs> we got, we got uh, <laughs> Pastor Cece over in the corner. Yeah, we got here, here. our uh, use of force. 
expert here, uh, Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr. We yeah, got yeah. we got the queen of you people, Kia <laughs> <Thank laughs> McMillan. Uh, you, you got yours truly, J. Antro Minor, and on the board and in studio, we got the mayor, uh, former mayor of Fayetteville, North Carolina, Nat Robertson. Yeah. We are in studio, and and welcome to those who are live. We're live streaming this yes. segment on hey, Facebook. Facebook, so. We waving at y'all too, yeah, and if y'all yeah. have questions, y'all drop them in Facebook. And you guys probably move your thing over there because they got the back of your head. All, they see all my all, all, all my all my TD steaks, <laughs> not TD Jakes, my TD steaks. <laughs> you got what three packs? Father, son, they're, they're going to see when we get you to start sweating here. So oh yeah, that's what yeah. they're going Father, say. son, holy. That's God. how you know <laughs> the show is getting intense when y'all see the sweat bubbles back there. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, that, to, my thing is. How often, I mean, I know they get a lot of physical training. So my question is, how often do they get a lot of mental training to where they actually bring an, uh, bring in someone to talk to them and just find out where they are? And we do a lot of, uh, I say we like I'm a police officer. Excuse me, I'm not. Um, they do a lot of research and looking into the criminal's uh, background, but how far back or do they even research and find out where these officers have been mentally, what they have done? Um, how often do they get to investigate them before they actually get a badge and a gun? Yeah, so you have two levels of the background check. You have one that the state mandates, and they have particular components of that background check, one of which is a psychiatric evaluation um, where you sit down and you take a lengthy written test, you know, do you love your mama and all those good questions. <laughs> and then, you know, you, is that you, on there for real? Uh, well, in a not. few different ways it is on there. Okay. And then you get to speak with, with the doc a little bit if there's questions that, and you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't work in that field. I can't say how effective that test is. And then they do a, a background check, and, and they do interviews, and they do physical assessments and things along those lines. Some departments take it further, and, um, you know, whenever I was in charge of that section, we would do a spontaneous home visit. You didn't know we were coming, and we saw some crazy things. Everything had been looking good on paper until we did that spontaneous home visit and you had like targets on your living room wall that you'd been shooting at and hung them up as trophies and, you know, just weird stuff going to be like, okay, mental note on this guy. So, but on a regular basis, it is a very, it, it still is a, an environment much like our military is. It's not cool to go show that weakness and say, hey, can I go see the head doctor or the shrink or whoever? I'm just, mm-hmm. my fish isn't swimming, my dog's right. not barking or whatever you said. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's just not always cool. And I've been, right. I've been one of those guys myself that, you know, didn't want anybody to know, so I won't do that. And um, we had a very great, I mean, awesome chaplain who also was uh, educated in that field, had his degrees in that field, who was sort of dual role us, and we, he was good at doing it where we didn't know he was doing it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'd catch him. I'm like, I know what you're doing. Stop doing that. You know, we're minus the couch, but I'm getting the, the couch right. counseling. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen until something has went wrong, and then it's offered up. Some departments are different than others. Some mandate at least one or two sessions, or some of them just allow the opportunity if you want it. Can, can I say something real quick? Yes, sir. Because you said something. I want to make sure I don't forget this. You said that 
it's usually mandated or offered once something goes wrong. Right. Is there a way? Because I, I think because being in the military until I retired, that's, I saw a lot of soldiers who, have, who deployed and came back. They didn't want to seek mental health because you were looked down upon by, by yep. your fellow soldiers and servicemen and women. And so it was, it was, it, there was a stigma with it that was negative. Yes. I think one of the things that has to be done is that seeking out that help, not necessarily mental help, but that help. Because when you put that mental health thing, it has a negative connotation mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. But we, we have to find a way, and I believe departments around the country uh, should be working on this, finding a way to make seeking help not such a bad thing. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, I know, you know, in the, in the interview process and the application process for the departments around the country, there is that psyche eval and stuff that goes on. Uh, and then you said there's that spontaneous home visit and you're finding the crazy stuff. But in in the interest of making sure that we have productive men and women and suitable and mentally stable men and women on our police forces, police in our communities, is there a way that um, the those psyche vows, if you want to call them that, can be done periodically throughout the right, year, exactly. so that exactly. so that if there is an issue, I'm trying to go over here with you yeah. people now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If there if there, if there is an issue, you catch it before, before someone catches exactly. a bullet. Right. Exactly. But let me ask you the question because this is outside of my profession for a moment here. In that, how effective are those? We see people all the time or hear about them all the time who commit these crazy crimes, heinous crimes, mm-hmm. and yet they are always that normal guy next door or never would have thought about. It. He would mow my grass before he'd mow his. And, you know, all these things you hear, the tests are not, in my humble opinion, are not always going to catch that, not always going to mm-hmm. stop that. There's been many of guys and ladies I've worked with that, man, I would have just thought that they were the rock we could lean on but then something snaps, you know, mm-hmm. and it happens to other professions. It's not just law enforcement. Oh, yeah, that's everybody. Exactly. Post, yeah. People go There's postal. one thing you can say. One, it, it, for that, I would address it like this. Sometimes we see signs and we take those little red flags and we put them in the back of our pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, say, for instance, you're in a relationship and you see this person mm-hmm. Acting a certain way. So in the beginning, it's kind of cute to you. Oh, mm-hmm. he wants to know where I am all the time, and he keeps calling. And, and you think it's cute. Right. And then, but that's a sign. <laughs> so when he starts in to, your bathroom right, window. Right, yeah. <laughs> you catch him, you know, standing outside the job. Oh, he can't Drinking pick me up early. milk. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're trying to figure out what's going on. So I, I, I kind of disagree to the point because there are signs that you can look for and you have people in the psych field that knows how to look at those signs. Right. Um, so I think what happens is they see certain signs and they overlook certain signs or, oh, it's okay, it's going to get better. Now, I don't have a problem with uh, bad cops. I have a problem with good cops who know 
that about the bad, bad cops, cops are doing something. I agree. And you will not yeah, yeah. stand up it, and you will not yeah. stop them. You you do you may, I'm not saying and it in doesn't some cases, happen. It's not set up I'm, for them to be able to tell on those cops. Right. But it, see, but then that's yeah. where it comes into where you should Uh-oh. But wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Okay. Jimmy, how often I mean, I know we see it all the time on television shows and in the movies, but how often in real life does one cop know that the other one's got uh, a bad whatever racial issues, happening mental yeah. issues? Well, it, it keep in mind that we're not like you know. I'll speak for our local jurisdictions here. We're not like some of the jurisdictions where there's two to a car. You okay. know, so mm-hmm. minor and I are riding together. All that man, I know everything about this guy. Mm-hmm. I know if he's chewed his gum or if his breath stinks. He, like I, I know if it's. <laughs> I, I know if his fish are swimming and his dogs are barking, <laughs> yeah, as the pastor but, yeah, said. Yeah, um, you know, that's a little bit different. And it's some, I, I was able to work in some areas where we had partners like that, especially in narcotics. We knew each other, man. I knew if him and the wife were having trouble. We right. knew that stuff. And I knew, you know, when these other issues we're talking about, whether it be racial or you know, corruption or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I I would know. And believe me, I've been on the end of turning in officers, um, bringing them in, taking their guns and cuffs off. I've been there. I've been mm-hmm. the one doing that. That's not a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. But my mentality, which but I got necessary. from my father before me, was the worst thing on our streets than a criminal is a bad cop. Yeah. Reason being mm-hmm. is he took an oath. And he put on that uniform I'm wearing, and he's pretending to be on my team, and he's not. Mm-hmm. That guy on the corner, I know what team he's on. He mm-hmm. makes it clear every night I drive over there. We understand one another. We're not on the same team. we got two different agendas. But that guy riding next to me or standing next to me, and he's doing wrong, I want him gone. He's more dangerous to our community than that guy is. Right. But how, how, do we, how do we change that? I'm, I'm from New York City. Every police yeah, yeah. officer in New York City, yeah, Pastor yeah. Cece, we, we, we yeah. know New York City, you got over 20,000 police officers. They are always battle buddied up. It is very seldom that you will see a New York City police officer by him or herself. Sometimes they're in vans. We call them paddy wagons. Mm-hmm. They're in vans with 10 and 15 officers yeah, at a time. Yes. Make, you know, being in the military, one thing that I learned in the military was that it was your responsibility to police up your battle buddy. You were looking for certain things. If your battle buddy was seeming like he, he or she was a little out of whack, you know, you had no problem snatching them to the side and say, hey, we need to get this together. And if I need to go with you to this appointment to get you help, I'm your battle buddy. I'm right, right. here. Maybe that's something that needs to change in our in uh, culture. Local, <clears throat> local departments. Maybe finding a way to, to uh, battle buddy up some of these officers so that they're not out there having a mentor officer having a good mentor officer can be helpful in those situations our thing is and you haven't been in the military you're going to be able to relate to this 100 percent it you are considered broken Mm -hmm. if you seek help or show weakness and i've worked a lot of military cases where i saw what our soldiers uh, what they did to them whenever they sought treatment or, or said that they were affected in some way then they would take and put them in some unit changing the light bulbs in, in the barracks mm-hmm. or something. You don't send a man to combat fighting for his country, bring him back, and now the only importance he's got is taking out the trash light and changing the light bulbs. Right. Right. So, exactly. and, and there was one particular unit at Jacksonville I had to go visit. It was involved in a very high-profile murder case. And these guys I'm talking to had all been great decorated soldiers 
who were broken in the eyes of, of our government or our military, so they just stuck them somewhere, gave them something to do, and they lose self-value, and then they start self-medicating, mm-hmm. and it keeps going from there. Same thing with police officers. Well, just for those who are tuning in, um, again, welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. I am J. Antoine Minor. We have with us Pastor Cece, uh, Kia McMillan, uh, uh, Mayor Nat, and we also have in studio special guest uh, Mr. Jimmy Henley. Just to give you a brief uh, synopsis, of, so that when you hear him speaking on this stuff, you know he's not just talking he's from the professional. You know he, he knows what he's talking about. Um, served as a second generation law enforcement officer here in Cumberland County, so he knows this community. Uh, served in many capacities, canine handler, several years in undercover uh, as undercover agent in narcotics, SWAT commander, chief of detectives. Um, he specializes in use of force cases. So we, we, we have him in the studio. And we're talking about this because he is a subject matter expert on this right here. And we're finding this a lot in our communities now where everyone's talking about use of force, use of force. What do they have to use that much force? So I just wanted to uh, just kind of notify and let the people know who are watching who you are. So do we need to take a break or anything like that? All right. Well, looks like we're going to take a little break. We'll take a break with you people. Oh, yeah. With, with people. all you, all you we'll lovely people. You people. Keep watching. Keep listening. So was that was that you your nice soul voice? Yeah. Keep watching, keep yeah. listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. still so <laughs> um, To have him on is Ignore the liberal media. You're listening to vinegar-based, common-sense, conservative talk radio in eastern North Carolina. Welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. Have another cup of coffee and get fired up. With the Carolina Cabinet, Eastern North Carolina's smartest conservative morning talk show. And welcome back to the Carolina Cabinet. Uh, Once again, in studio, we have uh, cabinet members, Pastor Cece over in the corner. Uh, we have. Uh, God bless you. Good morning. God bless you. Put your church you. voice on. Look bless at you. That's not my church voice. Let me hear your church voice. Say it with your church voice. I don't have one. You got to say, God bless your daughter. God bless oh, God bless you, my son. Yes, yes, God yes. Bless you. But you got to wave your hand like oh, that. Bless God you, bless you. Son. Yeah, yeah, bless yeah, yeah, yeah. you, son. Hey, bless I felt you. that in my Ishando. Uh, uh, get it out of there. <laughs> 
I don't think it should be in there. <laughs> I don't think so either. We have use of force expert, use of force uh, expert, Jimmy Henley Jr. is in the studio. With here, us. here. His <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Not going it's now. not in his list. You, know no. you don't have a. You people here. saying here, here. <laughs> We have the queen of you people, <laughs> Kia McMillan. It's me. How you doing? We hey. have. Hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I was just. I'm throwing out the logo. Yeah, I thought you were throwing up a gang sign. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think you people. <laughs> then we have uh, over here on the board. We have uh, his honor, former mayor of Fayetteville, North Carolina, Nat Robertson. Oh yeah. Oh, he's a whoop, whoop. All right. He's excited today. <laughs> And then uh, yours truly, J. Antoine Minor, also known as the Archbishop. We are in studio. We are talking about use of force. And and um, we were saying something uh, while we were uh, on break. break. Um, and, and I wanted to jump in because oftentimes we talk about training, training, training. As one who's been in the military and who has deployed to a combat zone, uh, one thing that I remember clearly saying to soldiers who did not have a combat patch on their shoulder like the rest of us did, all that training that you have, and I'm going to be honest with you, when you, are, when you are in theater and you are under fire and they've taught you, you know, sports, slap, pull, observe, release, tap, squeeze, and you're trying to, un- you're paying none of that stuff to mind. At that point, you are in the middle of a life and death situation and your brain is saying, I have to make it out of this. So I understand training and training is good. But oftentimes, when you have to make those split-second decisions, you, you don't have time to analyze and process everything that, in hindsight, you may wish you had processed and analyzed. So I, 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 I want to, I guess, because I, I feel the heat. Get it out. Get it I out. I feel the Get heat from Kia over here on this side. I Get feel him, the Kia. heat. Get him, Kia. And now that we're doing Facebook Live, y'all can see my face. <laughs> Get him, Kia. Oh, did we put, did you cue it? Go oh, ahead. no, we're right here, huh? No, did you hit the music? No. Oh, I, <laughs> see? This is why you're what is supposed that, to Jeopardy? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just waiting for him to get the question out, Joe. So I'm just when it, when in, when dealing with that training aspect, you know, it's how do you? I guess because from my my experience in the military, that training is there, but when you're making those split second decisions, you don't always have time to grab that textbook and and Absolutely. start going through that manual and figure. Okay, what do I do in this situation? So, can you speak to us on 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 that aspect of it right there? Great question. Um, and when I'm teaching students, cadets, one thing I remind them is you don't get a timeout. Like you just said, mm-hmm. situations got bad. Look what's going on. Timeout. I got the manual in the trunk. I'll be right mm-hmm. back. Give me 30 seconds on that. You don't get that. Um, you and I were talking earlier, I think, before we started the show, and I was telling you the disadvantage to a police officer on a scene like what we're seeing in a lot of these cases. That officer shows up. He does not know what's on your mind. He does not know what you know. You know if you're wanted. You know if you're holding drugs. You know if you got a gun. You know if you're a criminal. And you know if you plan on trying to harm this officer. They don't have that advantage. So you're one up from the get-go. So as an officer, I'm trying to do everything I can to gain back some of that advantage, whether it be distance or the way I'm carrying myself. Um, where I'm standing, how I'm standing, I'm trying to help negate some of that advantage you have. 
And one thing is watching you a lot, watching your eyes, watching your body language, um, using kinesics and different things like that to try to read what I'm getting from you. Yeah, big word. (laughs) That was big. (laughs) But but I'm watching you. Real fast. (laughs) You you know, uh, and I know a lot of police officers out there can relate. You can sit down and watch a show like Cops. Mm-hmm. And my daughter used to hate it. I'd be sitting there with her. She want to watch cops, and I'd look and I go, "That dude's about to get rabbit." She like, "What?" I see he's about to get rabbit. Oh, that mean run. He about to run. Oh, okay, I've got it. I got Those it. felony flyers are about to be gone here mm-hmm. in about a second. She like, "How you know?" I said, "Did you not see him Body look over? Language. He looked for an escape route, yep. saw it, confirmed to himself it was good, and, and as soon as he sees that moment, so rabbit. There have been many a times I'd look at it and I go." Uh, you look like you're getting a little bit of rabbit in you. I already know, so don't do it. Mm-hmm. But you don't know what they're thinking. You don't. So oftentimes you're reacting. They have the advantage on you, and, they, and that's when you see these. Car, you know, the cops walk up to a traffic stop, and they think it's the routine stop sign violation. The guy inside knows he's wanted. He knows that uh, he just shot somebody earlier. You don't know that, mm-hmm. so you're always at that disadvantage with the unknowns. And that's one thing I would like for the public do to do remember about those officers. They are behind the the time of what's going on there. And time is of the essence because you mentioned it's split-second decisions. It's decisions that, that last a lifetime or end a life. Now, can I, can I say something real quick? Yes, sir. Um, because I know we're talking about the officers and, and the decisions that they have to make quickly. I think one of the things that while you were talking that came to mind is there is a push. There is a narrative being pushed by the media that all law enforcement are bad. That no, cop- that's no, let, that's let me not finish. That's let me finish. True. But that's what that that's, that's not finish with that. Hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. We well, seen the and media, so, not y'all. Yeah, not no, y'all. No, <laughs> but but when you look at when you look at some of these outlets i'm not gonna name them because i ain't gonna give them no free airtime uh when you look at what well, he said name them like cnn msnbc these very far left media outlets they're still on the air yeah. unfortunately they're pushing a narrative that that black men are being hunted by the police now what happens is oftentimes when these young men and women uh, are approached by the police, there is also in them an apprehension oftentimes because they're fearful too. They don't know what's in the cop's mind. They don't know if the cop, you know, well, here's a white cop. You know, they that said all these white know. cops hate us, so they gonna, he going to shoot us. So now he's, he's defensive, you know. And so I think that that happens on both sides of the spectrum. So everybody's yeah. on edge. Everybody's yeah, on edge. Violence. And it causes for a it very volatile situation. I need to correct everybody. something you said. And, and, and I, I know the point you were making. But mm-hmm. when you said that white officer walked up. Mm-hmm. You said uh, it. And you're the media. You said that. Who said that? You, you, you people. people. And I want to say this. <laughs> it's when that uniform walked up. That's mm-hmm. good. I okay. Like that. I've worked with a lot of black officers mm-hmm. that, that got the same response when they came yep. on the street that I got. So mm-hmm. it was the uniform, it was yeah. the authority and the position when it walked up. Now, sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure in some people's mind, if they saw it was a white officer, it might have took it another notch. I'm not going to say it didn't. But it's the authority and what came with that uniform when it walked up on that street. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, I try to see it from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. Now, from the officer side of things, you're going to say, oh, he, he must be up to no good if this bothers him that I'm coming down the street. 
And his side's going to be, man, I grew up in this neighborhood. I've seen what cops mm-hmm. can do. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a whole different mentality than than what either I did or what an officer would uh, in those shoes. you got to have that understanding. But at the same time, you know, we got to bring those two things together. Right. Because, you know, my number one thing, I, and, man, I preach this all the time, and it falls on deaf ears. I hope it don't in here. I just talked about it yesterday some people, and they were like, oh, that's great. The thing I've said since I was a young cop that I wanted help with, and it, you know, I would love for the police and the communities to get along and everybody be able to sing Kumbaya and mm-hmm. do all that. My biggest thing that I saw over and over again that, that hurt me on the inside that I could not figure out how to help was the black-on-black crime in our communities. Okay. And what I saw with the shootings and what I saw with that crime – and I'm like, look, I'll help you with whatever you think we're doing wrong as police. Meet me somewhere and help me with that because my statistics that I'm dealing uh, with are far, far higher and far more dangerous. You sir, just okay, became a you people. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. He did Kia. not. Hold on, hold on, Kia. hold on, real Kia. quick. Do I need to Kia. move down a little no, bit? No, no, no. Kia. <laughs> did you see her raise right the face after. and shake the head? Right after. Go ahead. I got you. So, Go. so, so here's here's that narrative again that keep people keep pushing. People are constantly talking about all oh, the media is pushing a narrative of this. Da, 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 da. Black on black crime, excuse me, black on black crime isn't our problem that we're having right now because those black people who shoot other black people go to jail. Those black people who shoot, hold on, yes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, the ones that, hold on, because the ones that shot and killed my brother are still on the loose. But get, have the cops done their job to find them? Uh, did, have, did the community do their job? That was the issue because nobody in the community said anything. But my brother's gone, so I look at it from a different from a different perspective. Why do I look at a lot of things when we this situation? My thing is this: okay, we're not ignoring that there is crime problem there. Yeah, but white people also kill white people. They do. Listen, don't don't try to cover. Uh, the situation for me to say, well, black people kill black, black people. people. So why no, do we let's, care? Let's, but, that's, wait, but no, 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 but that's no, no, no. what hold you're hold saying. You have to see, and when you oh, do it that way, me. yeah, I got to get up on this. <laughs> I got to get up. Listen, when you say, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm saying don't uh, come back. Don't let that be a reply that black on black crime. What are y'all doing about this? Listen, that's what's killing black people. And that's what's okay. I mean, you had what? 12 men killed, 12 people killed by police. White people kill black people all the time. White people kill white people all the time. Hispanic people kill Hispanic people all the time. It's called crime. Can I say something? No, and not until I finish. Because I haven't even had a chance to finish what I was going to say. Hold on. She did. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. She got the sanctified finger up. At the end of the day, the problem is mm-hmm. that just this year alone, a thousand people, black, white, and different, a thousand people have been shot who were unarmed by police officers. The problem is... Where'd you get that number are, from? Yeah, I'm curious about that number. Uh, Where'd that across, number come from? Across the world. Google across it. the world? Huh? Oh, no, 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 Not across no, no, the world. So do you, US, have, a, you have another US. statistic? Okay, fine. You have another uh, one? Yeah, you have an FBI database. Where okay, is it at? Fine. Go in the FBI database. Look how it. many people, not white, not black, not Hispanic, how many people get shot who are unarmed by the police officers 
officers and then how many of those police officers get convicted get fired and i don't mean fired from that police department to get fired to get, to get hired, hired to in the next county but that, over. that's not the and issue and then, and then, that yes, has our is. cities on yes, fire yes, yes, what, what has is. our cities on yes, fire is, is is the narrative that the police wrong. are out to kill wrong. black men wrong no that's no, the narrative that black hold on that black men how did you black cnn msnbc uh even all of these riots that we have seen over the last year the narrative has been you can look at it in all media outlets across the board the narrative have been that blacks are hold on are disproportionately killed by police as a po- now now let me let me help y'all let me help y'all clarify let me clarify this word disproportionate Be- and I'm I'm give it to you like this okay so here, let's do the numbers because I'm a person I don't okay I don't, don't like give me the blaze and no, Fox no no numbers I'm not either. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm going to give you Hello. I'm going to give you the the numbers Hello. I'm going to give you numbers from uh, just not some, the just, book of numbers not no, no, the Bible not, not that one either. no you come <laughs> I'm gonna give you straight because when they talk about disproportionate they start throwing out all these percentages well mm-hmm. they're killed at fifty percent higher rate than right. than three than, times, than actually, whites not 50%, okay three times. so let me let me tell you how this thing works let me tell you how the lie works the lie okay you have a thousand white people. Right, that makes up the white community, right? Because mm-hmm. they're considered the minority. Y'all considered they're, the minority. Yes, we're, the ma- more, we're the majority. There's more of us than everybody uh, else. Okay, that's not true. Right. So hold on, let me. No, there, there are more white true. people. I'm there are more white people narrative. in the U.S. than so, there are everybody else. So that, let's just say, true. let's just say the white community is a thousand people, right? Did you, what the heck? What, the, what type <laughs> of bill was? He needed to calm the situation. Let's just say, let's just say the white community is. Is represented by that number of a thousand, mm-hmm. right? And over here, because we are considered the minority, it's only a hundred of us can, makes up our community. Right now, if you take and kill a hundred of the white people, you have killed ten percent of their community. Right. If you kill fifty of the black people, you have killed fifty percent of their community. So disproportionately blacks are killed more, but by the hard numbers, you had a hundred white folk killed and fifty blacks. Right. Who's being killed more? Well, but the narrative where is you get that from. But oh, that's, ba- that's that's not even common core. That's basic math. Let him Listen, listen. Don't give me your basic math. A hundred out of a thousand. I'm giving it to you. FBI number said that and let's, let's just talk about during the Trump era oh let's God. just go there oh that Uh-oh. that no that I did not see one year on the FBI database where blacks were shot and killed by police more than whites so why are white and, people mad so and, why aren't white people mad too oh no, no, because that don't sell papers and that no, doesn't move no because white people are mad as well no no they're but not mad your they your resources okay they agitate right. they get so out what there so, 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 so what are we so so what are we so that's so what are we doing so if you got to so let's just look cuz you said you don't want my numbers but my no, numbers my numbers are basic numbers and fbi numbers the fbi the fbi numbers so i don't trust them but the fbi numbers said that in one year, I believe it was 2019, that there were only I think 11 or 12 unarmed, unarmed does not mean dangerous and not a threat they were unarmed that were shot and killed by the police unarmed black men, only 12 so where does that narrative come that says that we are hunted like animals and we're going extinct because the police are out to kill us all? That's BS. And did I say that? I didn't. I didn't say the bad word. That's that's the bull doo doo from the. You should have just kept from, yes. from the left. 
that's the narrative from listen, the left that listen, makes us think we're being listen, hunted. Listen, and and I'm just tired, honestly, of this narrative okay. Okay. that police are right, 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 right. long enough. Listen, thank you. listen, <laughs> listen. Thank you. Can I get amen and ring the bell? Okay, listen, amen. Okay, listen, and I know you're very passionate about what you're saying. Very. So listen, listen. We are not just going by the media. We are going by life experiences. Um, personal, I could personally say things have transpired with the police officers in mm-hmm. my family. So it's not just, and you have too, but to say that this is just something that's not happening because that's what you boiled down just yeah, said that this saying. is not real this is not really taking place is what you're yeah, nullifying yeah, that's what you're saying this, you're is, nullifying is other not people's the experience. media you're saying that the media is blowing it up and pushing it out there okay if it wasn't for the media would we know what was going out there who would report it would the police officers tell on themselves that they just killed an unarmed no. african-american individual no. you got too many cases there's too and listen i'm for i'm not against the police i'm not i'm not I because even like the blue during I, the capitol riots because you. guess but, what they were doing right their job. but not one of them got shot oh no but they got stomped to death not one of them got shot. And then you have people who go into churches and take lives and go get dinner after that. He gets treated to a meal. Under, you can't tell me it's fair. It's not. Under the big top today, we've got Pastor <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Kerry Cameron. Welcome. Here, we have here. Use, of, here. use of force expert, Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr. Hey, hey, yeah. Miss Kia McMillan and Mr. J. Antoine Minor as our as our regular cabinet members and uh, i'll turn the i'll turn the circus music back off and uh let you guys uh go back to town so the the topic originally originally had to do with our law enforcement and the use of force going on in today's right i i just can really quick let me just go can you say that the use of force is not happening can you say that honestly that excessive use of force is not yeah happening? yeah absolutely i cannot say that it's not because it is happening okay but it's not I, happening at the level that the media is pushing it that's all i'm saying how is it not happening what level because, is it? because happening. when you say something is when you say there is systemic racism in the police department and they are hunting black men Ooh. and black people are being killed disproportionately and then you look at the fbi numbers and you see only 12 out of out of how many millions were killed, of, of, of course, that 12 is tragic, and we need to figure out what happened, and bad officers need to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. However, I am not going to co-sign a lie that is being pushed, that is causing our cities to burn like marshmallows in a, in a bonfire, because they're telling us that you are an endangered you species, and police are out to kill all of so you. you, you know, no, no, no. Do you know? Do you understand what systemic racism is? Do you understand that, and I'm pretty sure you're going to have a whole fit when I say this. Do you understand that the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery, it only criminalized it. And our criminal system is not so set who's up... who's enslaved now? Huh? Who's enslaved do you, now? Do you know what the prison system is like right now? Do you understand that slavery never stopped? They literally just imprisoned changed, people. Yeah. No, 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 no. They didn't imprison people. Criminals got themselves well, put in prison. Actually, so you're then, saying every, cr- every person in prison is a criminal? Are you saying there are no every, innocent victims? No, I'm not yeah. saying there are no okay. innocent people. That's exactly, and that's but, the problem. That's the okay, problem. then we need to figure out who I'm those are and not say that everybody Hello. in prison is there because of the system. But you just said about young men that stood 15 years for a crime 
they did not commit. Yeah, and we, how many all, more are there? And in we need there? to identify them. And, and why and that, do those they happen? Those why? are instances where the system failed and did why? not work. And there well, are it's too failing many in a lot of areas. Well, it ain't failing with a lot of people. And it fails. Across the board, it I do. I Thank agree. you. I agree. And poor white neighborhoods. Okay, we all agree. And, 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 but that, and that's the key. I, I, I do a lot of criminal defense work, and, and I do post conviction work, and I've I've worked in a lot of cases where I saw the system failed completely, and, yeah. and I've seen it happen across the board. And I'm not saying that it's not more in the black community than the white community or anywhere else, but it's failed across the board. I agree. I think oftentimes it does not need an identity to fail you. Mm-hmm. It just can happen. It can. It's not a perfect system. It's probably the best system in the world, uh, I mean, indisputably, but it's not perfect because, again, it is ran and governed by people. Yeah, people. So we're not always going to get it right. People. Getting a, juror, a, a jury of your peers, which in the past for our black community was not easy. No. Still isn't easy sometimes. It still isn't easy. Absolutely. And, and, and there's been laws that's been passed to try to, to, to get that to where we can do better with that. I've sat there through jury selection. I've helped in jury selection. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people that nobody says it, but I know why they were disregarded from that jury mm-hmm. and put to the side. And uh, it might be from the neighborhood they're from, or it might be from the race or their background, who they're cousins of, whatever. Mm-hmm. But... We, we've all seen it in different ways. I mean, we'd be fooling ourselves to say that this stuff doesn't work or doesn't happen at mm-hmm. some degree. Um, but Mr. Minor. Mr. Minor. <laughs> Mr. Minor, you're in trouble. He's in trouble again. Anytime he say Mr. Minor. You get nervous. I got to go to potty. <laughs> I, I, I will say, Mr. Minor and I see things pretty the same, I would say, in most part. You don't want to mess yourself up like that. <laughs> Stay free. You're free. Stay free. Stay free. Don't get bound. I, I'm, standing, stay free. I'm standing between two stay pretty free. ladies that are wanting me stay to stay free. here with them, so stay I'm going to leave you hanging out. To I, I can take it. I can take don't, it. don't go with it. it ain't, don't go. I understand the pressure. <laughs> Especially her. She was in that soft voice right here. So I think part of part of our other issue that we have here, uh, we've got to look at the fact that stereotypes are embedded into our community. Um, you were saying earlier you watch cops. I, I used to. Used to, right. <laughs> used to watch cops. There's a lot of people who used to watch cops, and you sit there and you see it, and you're like, like you said, oh, that guy's going to run. You could almost, you know, guess what these people are going to do mm-hmm. watching it half the time. Again, these people are criminals. They are, they are placed there because they've done something wrong, and, you know, we like watching stuff. The problem with that is our media and our um our uh the, the stuff that we watch in general has given us a a, a perspective of certain people exactly and it, it has. has made people think that if i see a guy that looks this way exactly then he's probably a criminal mm-hmm. i've if i see someone in this neighborhood they're probably a criminal and that's a huge problem yes, because you get situations where um, we have an attorney here in Fayetteville who's probably got dreads longer than weaves I've had in my hair. I know um, what you're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, dark-skinned gentleman, on the weekend, he may be somewhere, and you may know him because of, of your profession, but a cop who's new here who has that mindset of you look a certain way, you're probably doing something wrong, Um 
or you're a drug dealer, or you're this is that. Stereotype. They stereotype mm-hmm. people but, in a, in a major way, and that's a huge problem because you pull people over. And I've even been in a situation where I've had a gun to my head. I, you guys know me, the people watching the show, you'll get to know me. I'm a very nice person. Never shot someone uh, <laughs> that didn't deserve it. Oh, <laughs> oh, that didn't deserve very it. Very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> never stole anything you know uh abc or well no abc until i got to college and it was a mess stole something from the abc store (laughs) no never but um had a gun to my head because a cop assumed because i was driving on bragg boulevard and it was late at night that i was out there doing something wrong and if it wasn't for his partner coming up telling him hey you can't you can't do that to people you can't just just put your gun in their face like that um you you get into situations where if i wouldn't have been that uh you know comply kind of person um it could have been a bad situation let me tell you this in my undercover years which were quite a bit of them i encountered the very same things because most officers did not know who i was Mm -hmm. i looked like some outlaw biker Mm mm-hmm and I you might, don't say. I might would be in Bonnie Doom. Mm-hmm. I might would be in Murkison Road. I might be out in the country. And I've been pulled over because I was a long-haired guy riding through Bonnie I Doom. I can imagine what that looks like. I've been, <laughs> I've been roughed up before by mm-hmm. a fellow officer who I could not tell I was a cop mm-hmm. because I had somebody in the car with me and I couldn't say it. Right. I had to talk with him later about that. Um, I've been chased, all this stuff. But I've also went into some of those communities, and because I was white, I was treated some kind of way as mm-hmm. well. But I knew that when I was going over there, because right. some neighborhoods are one way and some are the other. Yeah. But I saw it as an officer. So one of my last days in narcotics, I went to go into an elevator in the federal building, was going to the federal office, and an old lady was in an elevator. When I went in, she looked at me. She moved over to the corner and moved her purse to the other side. <laughs> She looked just like my grandmother. I felt so bad right then. I looked and I said, I am, I'm done. I went and got a haircut and transferred <laughs> out. I was done. <laughs> so I get it. Well, what a great show. <laughs> I had a good time. I tell you, I had a great time running the oh, board. Oh, it's about to be a fire. And you people <laughs> can uh, sit around and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Hey, thanks again for joining us on the Carolina Cabinet in the Cabinet. Today we had Pastor Kerry Cameron. Welcome, Thank Pastor Cece. Thank you so CC. much. It was so exciting to love, be here. I love having him. you I here. Love it. I love, love you. Love you. I love you, you back. I love you back. I love you back. I love you. I love you. Back. I love you. Love. So much love. We need a lot of love after this, though. <laughs> Mr. Jimmy Henley Jr. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jimmy, for joining us. Jimmy is our use of force expert and has quite a bit of uh, experience uh, in law enforcement uh, in this area and uh, training other officers. (laughs) Kia McMillan, love you, Kia. I love you, Kia. Over here. This one. All right. (laughs) And Pastor. Bishop, Archbishop J. Antoine Minor. Don't Thank you for doing that. Mr. Minor. Mr. Minor. Minor. Don't sound like you're being called to the principal's office. Yes, uh, Mr. Yeah. Minor. That's why every time he says it, I got to go So please do us a favor and uh, take time today to visit one of our commercial sponsors. Let them know that you heard their message on the Carolina Cabinet. And we are on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live. We're on other social media. So please message, like, follow, and share us. And um, 
If you're listening to us live, feel free to find us on your favorite podcast broadcaster. We are at the Carolina Cabinet. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in and look forward to talking to you next time.